You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. It's when we look at God in light of our circumstances that our circumstances become small and our God becomes big. And the opposite can happen as well. And that's what David is doing here. And by the way, there's some pretty bold prayers that he gives voice to concerning his enemies. And what I love about that is, is that God will always have the final word with all of those who are persecuting and attacking and falsely accusing the righteous. David didn't hold back as he brought his enemies before God in prayer. His desires for them were not friendly. (laughs) It may not fit well with Jesus' later challenge to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, but it was honest. As Pastor J.D. proposes in today's message, you need to surrender your enemies to God. He'll handle them as he sees fit. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 31 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Psalm 31, it is another Psalm of David, verse 1. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be my rock of refuge, a fortress of defense to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your namesake, Lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me. For you are my strength. Into your hand, verse 5, I commit my spirit. The apostle uh, Paul refers to this, but certainly Jesus on the cross echoed these exact words. And the Holy Spirit had inspired David to write these words. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. I have hated those who regard useless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy, for you have considered my trouble. You have known my soul in adversities and have not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a wide place. Have mercy on me, O Lord, verse 9, for I am in trouble. (laughs) My eye wastes away with grief. Yes, my soul and my body, for my life is spent with grief, and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity. And my bones waste away. I am a reproach among all my enemies. But especially among my neighbors. And am repulsive to my acquaintances. This is really bad. (laughs) How bleak is this, right? Those who see me outside flee from me. I am forgotten like a dead man. Out of mind I am like a broken vessel. 
It's, it's interesting because is this not the lot of those who are going through a very difficult time? Nobody wants anything to do with them. And this is what David is giving voice to. Verse 13. And we get a glimpse now of what is happening to David. He says, for I hear the slander of many. Fears on every side. While they take counsel together against me, they scheme to take away my life. But as for me, and we turn a magnificent corner here in verse 14. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face shine upon your servant. Save me for your mercy's sake. He's appealing to the mercy of God. Verse 17, do not let me be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon you. Let the wicked be ashamed. Let them be silent in the grave. Let the lying lips be put to silence, verse 18, which speak insolent things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. You shall hide them in the secret place of your presence from the plots of man. You shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, verse 21, for he has shown me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. For I said in my haste, I am cut off from before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried out to you. Oh, love the Lord, all you saints. Notice how he goes from talking to the Lord to talking to others about the Lord. And he says to the saints, Oh, love the Lord, verse 23, all you his saints, for the Lord preserves the faithful and fully repays the proud person. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all of you who hope in the Lord. What a psalm. Uh, just reading it is uh, difficult in some ways because David finds himself in the unenviable position of having many enemies that have risen up against him. He's on the receiving end of many false accusations and slander about him. And it would seem as though his circumstances have changed and he finds himself in this place where he, true to form, cries out to the Lord. And of course, the Lord, as he's always so faithful to, hearkens under the voice of David's cry. This is an interesting psalm in a number of ways, one of which is that it speaks to how circumstances in our life can change sometimes in an instant, overnight. And it seems that this is what's happening in David's life. And what he does here is the best thing 
that any of us can ever do when we find ourselves in a difficult set of circumstances. And what he does is he outwardly vocalizes his prayers and his praise to God. Now, I know we've talked about this. I don't know if the importance of this can be overstated. But it is so important to outwardly vocalize out loud. You know, sometimes it's not necessarily possible or doable. You're in, a, in an environment where people are going to think you're, you're crazy. They already think you're crazy. But if you start, you know, talking to the Lord, they're going to think you're talking to yourself. But um, there is something to be said about out loud vocalizing your prayers and your praise because see you're you're hearing yourself praising God you're hearing yourself lifting up your voice to the Lord and it enters in the ear gate and what it does is it has this effect on your heart and your mind this is uh, something uh, too that I think we've talked about before where it's very important to read the word of God out loud. Read the word of God out loud. You hear yourself reading, so you're hearing the word of God. It's not just in your mind. And this is especially important when it comes to praying. You know, sometimes when you're you're praying in your mind, you uh, tend to wander. <laughs> Your mind, you know, sort of wanders. But when you're talking out loud to the Lord, that changes the whole complexion of that prayer. You're vocalizing, you're, you're giving voice to your prayer. And here's another thing that, that happens. We end up, because of that, seeing our circumstances as perilous as they might seem through the lens of our God instead of the other way around where we see our God through the lens of our circumstances. Uh, perhaps you've heard that illustration where you take a uh, nickel even and you put it up to the sun and you can actually cover the sun with just that nickel. So you're looking at the sun through that nickel and the nickel can actually cover the sun. And so the, here, here's this enormous Son, have you seen those YouTube videos where they take the earth and they show you in comparison, in perspective, how many earths can fit into the sun? It is just unbelievable. But here's this small little nickel that now is as big as that sun because you're looking at the sun through the lens of that nickel. And the idea is, is that sometimes we look at our circumstances and they become bigger because we're looking at our God through the lens of our circumstances. And the more we look at our circumstances and even our trials and our difficulties, they can eclipse our God in so doing. It's when we look at God in light of our circumstances that our circumstances become small and our God becomes big. And the opposite can happen as well. And that's what David is doing here. And by the way, there's some pretty bold prayers that he gives voice to concerning his enemies. And what I love about that is, is that God will always have the final word with all of those who are persecuting and attacking and falsely accusing the righteous. Psalm 32, great psalm. It's a psalm of David, a contemplation Verse 1, 
Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Verse 3, when I kept silent, gives you an idea as to what was going on inside of David at this time. He says, when I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer, Selah, meaning stop and consider and meditate. Well, it's thought and believed that David penned this psalm about his great sin against God when he committed adultery with Bathsheba and then subsequently had her husband Uriah the Hittite murdered. And he tried to cover it up uh, for a, a period of time until the prophet Nathan confronted him and presented him with a case that he was to judge about how this man had taken this one lamb belonging to this owner. And he he asks David, what should be done? You judge this case, you judge this man, what should be done? And of course David just, I mean, he, <laughs> he just comes down so hard on this man who had taken this one lamb from its owner. And then the prophet Nathan says to David, you are that man. And David finally breaks and repents. And so this is a contemplation, a psalm of repentance, as we'll see here in a moment, because he had sinned so greatly. He says, verse 5, I acknowledged my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin, Selah. 4, verse 6, this cause everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. Verse 8, now notice again we're, we're turning a, a corner. He's, he's talking to the Lord. This is a contemplation about his prayer to the Lord. And then verse 8, we turn this corner and we're told, God speaking, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. This is a very interesting reference because it carries with it the idea of the master looking at the servant and directing them just with the eye, just with the, the look, just with the direction and the look of the eye. Then verse 9, do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, 
all you upright in heart. So again, Psalm 32 is a psalm of repentance as it's known, and it's the second of seven psalms of repentance. And in this psalm, David is groaning in this godly sorrow. Understand that there's two kinds of sorrow. Uh, There's the worldly sorrow of being caught, and then there's the godly sorrow that leads to a genuine repentance. And that's the godly sorrow that David has here. He's genuinely sorry for his sin, sinning greatly against the Lord. And it's believed that, and many commentators have noted, that it took David about nine months Nine months from the time that he had committed this great sin against... By the way, the sin that he had committed, the sin of adultery and the sin of murder, these were capital crimes punishable by death. So when the prophet Nathan says, you are that man, he basically realized, I'm a dead man. And then what the prophet Nathan said to him was, you know... Uh, God has put this sin away from you. You are forgiven. And God was merciful to David and did not pay David as his sin had deserved. But here's what the problem is. That was available to him much sooner. He didn't have to go through nine months of having the heavy hand of the Lord upon him and have his life dry up within him. He was trying to cover it up and it was killing him. His relationship with the Lord was all but dead during that period of time. And so needlessly, because he tried to hide his sin for an elongated period of time before repenting, which caused him to suffer unnecessarily. Now, it should also be noted that David uses three words in this psalm, all of which have a different meaning as it relates to what he had done and the sin that he had committed. He uses the word transgression, the word sin, and the word iniquity, and all three of these have a different meaning. First, transgression is knowing that it's wrong, but doing it anyway. You're transgressing deliberately. This is willful sin where you transgress the law of God. To sin is different. To sin means that you miss the mark. It's an archery term where when you shoot the arrow, you miss the bullseye, you fall short. That's what sin actually means. You miss the mark, even though you're trying. That's what sin means. And then iniquity basically means to be crooked in the sense that you're not being on the straight and narrow. And so David delineates all three. Basically says, I've transgressed, I've sinned, thank you for not imputing my iniquity to me. And here's the good news, all three that David had committed, transgression, iniquity, sin, 
the forgiveness of God awaited his repentance. I say it that way because God isn't the one who waits to forgive. And by that I mean sometimes we, we sin, we transgress knowingly, deliberately, willfully. We sin against God. We transgress. We commit a transgression. And there's this thought that, oh man, that, that was really bad. Might take a while before the Lord's going to forgive me for that one. Especially because I did it again. Can't believe I did that again. And it's like the Lord's in, in heaven going, man, I, I don't know. I have to think about this one. It might take a few days. No. First John 1 night. It's been called the, rightfully so, the Christian bar of soap. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Transgression, sin, iniquity, all of the above. It's there. The forgiveness is there. The only thing that waits for our forgiveness is us. <laughs> We're the only ones that can delay the forgiveness because it awaits our repentance. And that's what I think the takeaway from this psalm is, and it's interesting because the Apostle Paul would refer to this psalm in his epistle to the Romans, chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. He says, now, to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing. And he quotes right here from this psalm. When he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven. Whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. You know, sometimes, I don't know what it is, and I know you're a lot like me in this regard. But we read a passage like that, we read a psalm like this, and it's almost like we, we know it, we've read it before, we understand it, but I don't know that we fully grasp the intensity of it. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Think about this. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count, never count against them. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor J.D.'s continuing teaching in the book of Psalms. While our time with you is ending, your study of God's Word doesn't have to. Everyone can learn from the Bible, and everyone will be blessed when they open their hearts to its truth. As you spend time in Scripture today, ask God to share His heart directly with yours, and be open to whatever He has to teach you. Know that we're praying for you as you study, and will continue to do so each time we produce a new edition of In Spirit and Truth. Are you in the Kaneohe area? If so, we'd love to have you come be a part of our weekly services. 
Calvary Chapel Kaneohe meets each week to spend time praising the Lord and learning from His Word. Find out more about us and get directions at inspiritandtruthradio.com. You can also hear additional teachings from Pastor J.D. while you're there or download our mobile app for Apple and Android devices to access these messages anywhere and everywhere. We'd also like to point out Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Update. Each Friday and Saturday, Pastor J.D. updates us on where the world is in conjunction with the prophecies of the Bible. He takes the time to comb through the news and tell us how world events line up with God's plan as stated in His Word. If you'd like to view the latest edition of the Mideast Prophecy Update, visit our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for joining us today for Pastor J.D.'s teaching, and we hope you'll tune in again right here on In Spirit and Truth. Oh,